It's time for your mid-afternoon coffee. Undead. I am your host, Daniel Crozier, and I am joined by the amazing Josh Rubin and Bree Tippett. Josh, Bree, thanks for coming on the show. How are you guys? So well. So, so well. Bree, is this our first interview together? It is, yeah. This yeah. is momentous. This is, this is a, yeah, you beat us, you beat everybody else to the punch. You beat Vanity Fair to the punch, Daniel. Yeah, well, that's me. I, I get the scoop. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's really an honor to have you on here. And, you know, I uh, just mentioned to Bree, I got done, um, Reading uh, Darla, it's a wonderful book. It's absolutely, oh, thank you. You know, delightful in the most uh, you know fun and twisted way, right? I hope so. I yeah. hope I hope so. You can be you can be brutal with us, especially on this show. Um, we we really want to know what the world thinks of this thing. Um, right. And thank you for your beautiful art alt cover. Um, it's just it's so it's just so rad. So we're thrilled to have you as part of the fam. Oh, thank you. No, it was, it was fun. It was, uh, you know, when, when Mike at Invader kind of pitched it to me, it's like, oh, you're going to, you're going to love this. You know, uh, you know, it's, it's Josh Rubin. And I knew that name instantly. I was like, scare me. Werewolves Within. I was like, man, I'm already a fan. I love those movies that you, you directed. And and you starred in, in Scare Me. And I thought that was, that was a, a, you know, sorry for me gushing, but you know, for mm. me, that was a wonderful, like, radio play, you know, that yeah. uh, that that you guys were able to do live and, or in, you know, as a film. I thought that was brilliant. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to do more like that. It's, uh, you know, when it, when it all boils down to it, there's nothing like just watching performances, just watching great actors do their thing. Um, Almost, yeah. uh, you know, doesn't matter how many, how many quantum mania bells and whistles. Uh, it's all about, it's just all about just two, three, four people talking in a room. Yeah, most, oh, most definitely just, you know, kind of bring it down to its bare essentials and still make it compelling and engaging. I mean, you know, my girlfriend and I couldn't, couldn't turn away from it. And, uh, and then, you know, and then to, to have a follow up, like, uh, um, werewolves within that was absolutely a lot of fun and, and a great ensemble piece too um so many great character actors in that as well oh yeah the best a murderer's row yeah yeah <laughs> it, 
you know, with that, you, you're, you're segueing now into your first graphic novel, which is Darla. Yeah, mm -hmm. Can you tell us a, a little bit about that and how that came to be and, and, and I know yeah, how you came to work with Brie? Sure. Um, it's, uh, it's a story in like three parts. The, the first of which is uh, Darla originally called Annie, but then I changed it from Annie because that's a popular children's musical. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Was inspired <laughs> by just like Scare Me was inspired by kind of um, frustration, anger and uh, fear of what the Me Too movement was. I'd have a lot of conversations with women in my life about just their, you know, the um, envious, emasculated men in their lives who just had to uh, had to exhibit their power um, in terrible ways. Right. With this, there was the beginning of the election. So hopefully it's not like terribly preachy. I was like, I was so angry and so scared about the state of the world. And it reminded me a lot of the dead zone. And I thought, well, what if I could kind of channel this Ellen Burst and Melissa Leo and prisoners type character whose worst, um, her, her worst self is poked and prodded out after this sort of factory accident in her town and, and, and poked and prodded out in isolation. So in a way it's sort of like ultra relevant and topical, but it's also sort of an EC comics kind of classic monster story. I wanted to yeah. tell um, through this sort of twisted protagonist perspective, but it's essentially, it's about a, a, an irritable small town woman who after a factory accident becomes obsessed with a politician and um, who starts to lose her mind uh, um, and, um, you know, twisted things ensue and, you know, Brianna's work, I first discovered on Instagram, we started talking a little bit. She started doing just incredible fan art for scare me. Um, and then for werewolves and she released, um, I want to say Brie, was it two books? There was definitely Rictus, but there was another one, right? Oh yeah. My one before that was kind of like a tester, like it was called split foot and other stories, but it was just a bunch of short stories to just get myself started. Yeah, split writer, foot. So it's a little bit harder for me to come up with the ideas, but I like doing the art. <laughs> it was, I mean, just the 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 imagery, just simply in black and white. Um, Brie has a very Charles Burns kind of a style. Yeah. Um, and that really lured me in. Um, but it's more grotesque and also can be like duly grotesque and cute, like charming and eerie at the same time. And so yeah. once I read Rictus and was holding, was having like the, the privilege and the pleasure of like holding this physical book in my hands, I was like, I have to do this. Like I have to, I just want to be published. Just like with Scare Me, it was like, there was no goal with that. It's like, let's just make a thing and get out into the world. With Darla, it's like, let me take this twisted story. I couldn't get off the ground as a film and, you know, show it to Brie and just sort of suggest what would it be like to 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 turn this into a, what would this look like on the page as a as a graphic novel? And luckily, Brie was was down. <laughs> that's that's awesome. Yeah, you know, Brie, when when uh, you know, you, you've got to your your initial book, Rictus. Can you tell us a little bit about about that? I saw that you know you posted that on on uh, Twitter a while back. Um, you know, what what's that initially about? So I was really inspired at the time by like Japanese horror and how different mm. it is from our style of horror. Um, and I just, something about like the cursed films and like the, like everybody having to figure it out together. I just really liked that. And then like Josh, I'm inspired by Stephen King. So I wanted to have these kids fighting it. Cause I always thought that was like mm. way more epic than adults going after a monster. 
So it's basically like a Japanese curse story, but in like an American kind of fashion. I try to blend them. Cool. Yeah. You know, what was different from like uh, working on Rictus and, and transitioning, working with uh, with Josh as a writer? You know, did you have to like change styles or approach or anything like that? Um, this one was my first one in color, so that was pretty fun. Um, other than that, I kept the style kind of the same. Um, but Josh is really cool at just like kind of letting you do your own thing. And then he'll kind of like, you can tell he's a director because he's really good at like, Hey, maybe let's try this and that. And I'm like, okay. And then it comes out even better. Like, it's really cool. Um, <clears throat> sorry. Um, I'm getting over COVID still. <laughs> but, yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <Help me. laughs> but, uh, but yeah, he, he's really good at just like pushing you to like make it even better and like still gives you the freedom of creating it yourself. I, but it, it was kind of the same, but it was kind of nice to have that camaraderie and teamwork of like creating this project together, you know? Nice. Yeah. If yeah. you don't mind, I'll uh, let me pop up some of uh, your artwork. Here's some interior pages. Ooh. For, <laughs> let me turn off this banner here real quick so people get a better look. Come on, banner. There we go. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, see. It looks like you're you're dealing with a lot of uh, you know washes. Um, you know, is it mostly ink? Uh, I worked with ink and marker um, okay. for this one. Yeah, nice. I, I worked with Prismacolor for a long time, and then they just stopped selling the individual markers. So I was like, I'll try Copic. So it also was trying a new medium for this. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I, I love this like you know dream sequence too, and, and you know I. Um, you know, kind of the darkness that it kind of foreshadows and everything. It's, uh, it's absolutely stellar, but uh, yeah, that's, it's, it's uh, some, uh, some fantastic work and, and a great story too. Uh, Josh, I was uh, telling uh, Bree before you hopped on just what, well, oh, come on, Banner. There you go. Uh, technical glitches. Ah! Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, I was telling Bree, you know, that, it's incredibly topical, not only with the, you know, the politics, which I totally, you know, get that anxiety. I, I kind of read into that too. Cause I, I, you know, during 2016, I had a lot of anxiety, 2020, mm -hmm. I had a lot too. So yeah, I can feed that, you know, feel that, but also like just dealing with infrastructure issues, which a lot of, you know, the water mm -hmm. issues that are you know, indicated in the story kind of plays on too. It's just like, oh man, there's there's so many things that, um, so many little nuances and uh, you know subtext that that this story does play on, and uh, and to have it presented in, in, in such a way, I, I think is is incredibly refreshing and, and you know uh, very engaging as well. Thank you for saying that. Yeah, I mean, um, <clears throat> there's something about the horror of the book uh, and the tr kind of tragedy of it and that it's, you know, she lives in a world like a lot of us do in this country, even me here in Los Angeles. Yeah. Um, whether Los Angeles, whether the Midwest, whether where my folks are in Woodstock, New York, mm -hmm. you, are, you are confronted with, you know, cancerous power lines toxic right. water um we had a fracking movement up in um up in the hudson valley there was a big anti-fracking movement when i was in i want to say in high school um a lot of fear in the area about you know um all of the horrific mind-altering toxins um that would that would you know seep into the water and it just felt like a stephen king story in and of itself um right. and uh it's why a lot of the great 
inspiration um, for Darla, you know, it, it takes place in worlds where it feels like you can't quite get away in an almost nightmare on Elm Street fashion, even Requiem for a Dream, even to a degree Prisoners, even to a degree, the, certainly the Babadook, because it's all about this, mm -hmm. you know, this character's mental development. Yeah, that was a, a world I was interested in playing in, and also kind of realized like there was there is an era probably of film where that type of movie was exciting um, to make, but I think now we're sort of in the the fun horror era of films. If a Hereditary released today, it might be tougher to get out, but we were all kind of in a more terrorized, fraught state. I think it did. It came out exactly when it should have been, and and um, was intended to just like get out. And so I think as a as a visual medium, as a as a picture medium, as an illustrative medium, I think this is the right story for the medium at least mm. today. Um, yeah. that's you know that's that's certainly my uh, my thought on it. Anyhow, yeah. The well, you know, kind of referencing a, a lot of the the cinematic, um, like. You know the nice thing about uh, graphic novels is you know they they are like a uh, some uh, a form of a preliminary storyboard, and mm -hmm. and I could definitely see this as being uh, uh, made into a film. Would would you consider it like later on down the road adapting it as such? I think if anyone wanted to adapt it, I'm certainly open to it. Um, I would want to give it to a filmmaker that doesn't look like me. Ideally, a woman filmmaker, woman producers would be the dream. Like originally, I was like, I wanted to play her and wear prosthetics and make it a super weird movie where I would direct it and be in it. And we started to have yeah. those conversations before Scare Me. And then I was like, no, let's let's see if there's some great character actor out there. Like maybe someday like Sarah Paulson or Molly Shannon or... Kristen right. Wiig even would would be down to do something this dark and strange. And then you can kind of imagine the ensemble, maybe Ari Aster's company, Square Peg, might be like, maybe, you know what I mean? Like someone who's got a real, um, who sees this as an opportunity. Yeah, that, that sense of, uh, you know, dramatic, you know, but I, I guess now they, they kind of called a lot of that horror, like prestige horror or something like that. But yeah. um, not to diminish it, but but it, it's mm -hmm. it's really you know, a lot of these pieces are incredible dramatic pieces. And I could see this as something like that. Um, even Helen Mirren, you know, if you get her now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah true. Oh my God, what a dream. Yeah. That would be amazing. Yeah. Um, wow, that's that's really cool. Uh, we've got a Kickstarter going on right now. And for everybody that's watching, we've got to, the link scrolling down below on the little ticker there. Uh, make sure you grab a screenshot. Uh, I'll, I'll post a, you know, a link in, into the, the comments here in a little bit. But uh, you know, can you tell us a little bit about um, working with the Invader uh, Comics and, and you know, doing this Kickstarter? I don't know if you've ever done crowdfunding or anything before. I always avoided it like the plague because I feel uh, immense guilt like my mother about asking anyone for anything and I would rather drain myself of blood and cash before I, I you know, uh, ask somebody uh, for their assistance. Um, I hadn't done it before. No. And, and, you know, what's cool about it is it's Mike Perkins, um, who's, you know, one of the, the heads of invaders. He, he reminds me and breathes like, you're not just giving this 
campaign money, you're, you're getting something. There's a lot of perks um, yeah. for 10 bucks. You can get the digital version um, for X amount of dollars. You get, you know, the alt cover uh, limited edition Daniel that you drew and metal book plates, which are just like, you know, rad little bookmarks, um, uh, all kinds of perks. You can even like zoom with me if you really were like that, um, mm -hmm. interested in my, uh, make some noise movie making career and such. Um, you get a lot of stuff. There's really a lot of perks, original art from Brianna. Cool. So yeah, Brianna, have you done a, Have you done anything like this before? I haven't. This is my first time. I usually just like kind of put things on Etsy and like try mm -hmm. to post about it and hope people see it. And like eventually I'll kind of get sales and some, but yeah, this is my first big one. Nice. <laughs> but they've made it a really easy process, like Josh said, and it yeah. is because we're providing such cool stuff in return for people backing it, which is nice. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like a, a, yeah, a lot of crowdfunding. Yeah. If you do it right, uh, you're, um, able to bring in, you know, people and they get to participate in the creative process. You know, they're, they're not just, you know, uh, pledging. They can be, you know, in some capacity, a producer of sorts. Um, I've seen that a lot. And also in, in film mm -hmm. where, you know, you, you know, Hey, you want to walk on roll or something like that, you know, yeah. you, you, horror oh, yeah. movies, you know, you want to be a, a kind of a kill role or something like that. Yeah. Who doesn't <laughs> want to die on screen, you know? Yeah. <laughs> So, so there's, there's a lot of opportunities in the, and then I think also to, to build your audience as well and, and be yeah. able to participate as a creator without having that middle person, which is, you know, usually like a dis, dis, uh, distribution company or something. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, as, yeah. I, I mean, they, it's been kind of incredible. Like, you know, I get, I get the, the daily, the daily email from Kevin Miller, you know, uh, Michael's partner. Um, Ed Invader. He's like, yeah, we got a little bump today. We're, you know, we're over the over the hump. Like, try this content wise. Try that. And right. I'm always like, oh man, I'm anxious about oversaturating my community or whatever, or putting content out. But you know, they said something great the other day. It was like, just make good stuff, make it personal, and especially with comics, it's so niche. Yeah. Why don't you talk about what what comics you you enjoy and what some of your illustrative. Wow. Um, inspirations were and just to be like oh yeah man what, what were they and to really kind of dig back i haven't even really dug that deep into it so i'll probably do another thread just about like preacher and the original teenage mutant ninja turtles and like you know was it dark knight dark city and um uh, venom lethal protector um, right the comics that you know just kind of stayed stayed with me but that it just got such an immense response because it's such a specific community a very active community on Twitter specifically, yeah. like RIP. Um, but uh, um, you know, talking about all of it on Twitter and talking about, I'm going to do a, a Reddit AMA tomorrow at 11 cool. Pacific. Um, and just yeah, just get super specific and talk to people about the medium. I, I I'm yeah. excited. Yeah, that's that's cool. Uh, you know, Bree. Uh, you know, as as an artist, as a creative too. You know, what what uh, comics and stories have you gravitated towards? Um, growing up, I was a huge fan of Joan and Vasquez's stuff and, um, not comic wise, Tim Burton has always, I think that's where Josh kind of picked up on. I've always liked that, like cute, but dark, like I like having yeah. that little combination. Um, and I also like it just because I feel like you get a bigger audience of people who will like kind of pay attention when you do that, when you play with that line. Um, but comic wise, yeah. Um. I love Will Eisner. Um, I love Daniel Klaus. I'm a big fan of his work. Like Art School Confidential is one of my favorites. Um, 
but yeah, that kind of stuff. A lot of black and white. I think that's why for so long I did the black and white was just like a lot of the people I looked up to just didn't even mess with color. <laughs> but it was a fun experiment. And I actually think I might do more with color now. <laughs> nice. The, uh, with, with something like, uh, like Darla, would you ever consider any type of uh, like uh, follow-up or, you know, anything like that? It, it just seems like, um, you know, there's, there's a little bit of nuance at the end that uh, could echo, you know, something, you know, something that haunts even further <laughs> down the road. I'd be down. That's kind of up to Josh as the writer, but I'd be down. <laughs> I mean, I I want to keep working with Brie on any number of things. Also, just like just to say, <laughs> she is so lightning fast, like so freakishly fast. It's just kind of insane. Like, like the, the the day after we would talk about something, she's like, "Here's ten pages," or "Here's like two beautiful, fully colored." completely revised, completely addressed um, uh, sequences that we talked about. I don't, Bri, I don't, I still don't know how you do it. Uh, you must not sleep. Repeating it a lot. Yeah, truly, truly like that. I mean, it's fun. It's really, really phenomenal to watch um, and to be part of, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, me personally, I, I'd like to just dig up, you know, like dust off the cobwebs of other stories. This is just such a great way to bring. Yeah. Like, other stories to life without spending $30,000 on a short film or even 10,000 on a short film. It's like, why don't we try and make this thing? We'll create our own IP. We can take it out. And comics are just back in a big way. I don't know if it was like part of the pandemic or maybe I'm naive for saying this. They've always been um, a popular medium, but I think there was something about, I mean, I don't know, Daniel and Brie, you would know more than I would. Is there something about the past three years that specifically got people, especially with like vinyl Mm -hmm. and books and even cassettes people go i want my hard media thing yeah. i want my blu-ray yeah. i want my right there's been it's, an explosion yeah physical media is is yeah is making a huge comeback um i one thing i noticed with uh yeah and, and josh you would know this better than i would um like with you know so much content being available online and then all of a sudden it's gone you know because of licensing yeah. or what have you um, so people have started really investing in, in uh, physical medium, you know, obviously I think for the last 10 years, vinyl has been making a massive comeback mm -hmm. last five years, cassettes for, mm -hmm. you, know, that's, you know, for, for music. I, I know collectors that are going back and, uh, re addressing, um, like, um, you know, oh, shoot eight tracks. Um, Whoa. Whoa. And, and and they're and I've I've got uh, friends and bands that are you know starting to re, you know re-release music on cassettes and eight tracks you know for obviously it's a little bit more niche but uh, but Blu-ray is huge right now um, yeah, I've, yeah I've been seeing like retail Blu-ray stores popping up locally you know for it's amazing yeah it's you know and and uh, yeah there's there's definitely a need for it I think and. Um, I think, you know, for me as a collector, it's like, it's, um, I, I, I love collecting that artifact, you know, that thing that you like that, you know, that, uh, is, is a treasure, especially the stuff that I grew up with. You know, I always try to look back and, and see what I can find. And, um, like one, one of the things that like, uh, that I grew up with was like ghoulies, Josh, I don't know if you ever. Oh my God. Of course. Yeah. 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 That was the critters, gremlins, a yeah. Jace. Yeah. Right. Era. Yeah. <laughs> right. 
Yeah, I, I grew up with that. I thought it was the scariest movie when I was a kid, and I found it on DVD of all things, and, and I haven't seen it in like 30 years. Went to go watch it. Biggest piece of shit ever. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it truly has the the, the critter, the the, uh, the ghoulie on the uh, art, on the cover art is uh, it's coming cool. out of a toilet. So Yeah, you know, yeah that's uh, true. It should, uh, that should echo something. That should be a warning, yeah. right, for me. Yeah. But uh, but it was pretty funny because you know you you have a a new appreciation because I mean it's just such schlocky campiness yeah <laughs> you can see in the, the the puppets like the the fist of the performer showing through its belly and stuff you know yeah yeah, yeah. it's just like yeah. oh yeah I, I remember it as one thing when I was you know yay high and now it's something yeah completely different. Um, <laughs> Um, yeah, little life experience changes uh, a lot of how we watch the films we grew up with. Just I'm like, right. oh, Stephen King's Cat's Eye isn't that freaky? But. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I I can still go back and watch that movie. That tr the troll sequence just yeah. Yeah. just gets me. Yeah, still effective for sure. Yeah, yeah. It just that you know that that use of size and proportion. Um, but yeah, it's it's always fun to to see how how we change with with our art and our mediums and you know how people interact with that stuff it's mm -hmm. all so mm -hmm. yeah yeah what what kind of things like uh yeah really yeah stick with you as as you get older like brie like from old films or yeah, just what you grew up with Oh, that I grew up with. I I think just the I like the handmade stuff still. Like I mean, CGI mm -hmm. has its place, but I actually do kind of like like the critters, coolies. Nice. I think I was really into puppets for a while. I even considered going to like puppet school at one point in my life, which oh, cool. my parents were really kind about <laughs> for parents. Nice. Um, but uh, but yeah, I like those like practical like seeing how they had to figure out those like. How can we do it with our budget? How can we do it with what we have material-wise? Like, it's kind of neat to still see that. So I still kind of look for that in movies, like stuff traditionally done still, you know. Mm -hmm. Nice. How about you, Josh? I think the same, you know, the, all the, the practical effects and the like are coming back in a big way. Um, but, you know, Joe Dante makes a good point of this when people ask him. and Yeah. John Carpenter about, you know, why aren't movies like the thing? Why can't it be that way? And it's like, you know, uh, why can't we have that Rob Boutine era sequence, mm -hmm. that John Landis um, werewolf change uh, transformation wow. with that practical look and texture and camera. And the reason and the 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 the, um, the the answer is time mm -hmm. back then they had a full week to do some of those sequences because inevitably, you know, puppeteers, animatronics, things would break down. And now everything working film today, unless you're, you know, Guillermo del Toro. And even if you are too, they'll still try and rush you to make days. Um, things are so crunched. There isn't a lot of prep time. Um, there was a huge article just tangentially about how um, uh, the director's name is Chad. He has last name starts with an S, but I'm not going to try and pronounce it. The guy who did John Wick 4 was talking about all of the prep money spent up front because people are going, well, how are those sequences so good? Yeah. And the answer is prep. And so if you know you do have prep or you build in that time to take a week to do your carpenter-esque sequence with your practical effects that's the way to get it done and otherwise there's going to be a lot of reliance on cgi it's frustrating when you do get on set and you do stuff breaks down you have to figure it out but you know the magic 
stays with all of us. It, it becomes a, you know, it's a forever classic for, 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 for a reason. It's because it was so ambitious and they had the time. Yeah. Oh man, that's, that's so cool. The, yeah. One thing I always uh, like about horror, horror genre is, you know, no matter, you know, the film, it seems like, you know, or the quality of the film too, even if it comes out and it, it, you know, takes its, you know, it doesn't hit right, right off the bat. It still, you know, takes its time and, and, and uh, finds its audience. I, I don't think there's a genre yeah. out there that really, you know, does that as well. Sometimes comedy, um, the occasional B movie maybe, but, uh, mm-hmm. but like, I always see like so many amazing dramas, you know, come out, hits all the awards during the award seasons. And then, you know, next year, nobody's really talking about it, but yeah. there's that little indie horror movie you know, that uh, didn't really make a blip. And then like five years later, oh, you got to watch this movie. You know, your friends are recommending that, you know. Mm-hmm. There's an article about, I think it was David Lynch's work that's getting sort of rediscovered, the cult movies. I mean, there's a party girl with Parker Posey screening. I want to say it's in New York and I'm so envious if it is. So I'd love it. Like because of Criterion mm-hmm. and Criterion wow. channel alone, you know, I, I'm wanting to go back and watch a lot of those like early 90s Ted Hope era films. You know, we, my wife and I watched Day Trippers recently and um, it wasn't Rachel getting married. It was uh, it was the other one. Oh, Pieces of April. Like just okay. like that early. And you, I never back then I would have been like, hell no, I'm not going to watch some like family movie. I want to watch, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Ghostbusters or whatever. Now it's just like, oh, man, you have family stories and how can they drive them home? You right. got to really credit the. um just the, I guess it too, hard media is having a, uh, is a big influence on that. There's a movement to screen these um, unearthed classics. People are just as passionate about these like kind of human stories and passionate about film in a different way. Yeah. Maybe as a, as an answer to how, you know, the, the, the complete opposite world of superhero bullshit that, you know, is constantly being churned out. And I love superhero bullshit, but it's like, there's, there's an answer to that. There's a response to that. I think yep. in the you know the fact that you, we have local video places that are popping up and that people are like, hell yeah, I'll go see a screening of Party Girl with Parker mm-hmm. Posey, right. or you know, visit the old Whit Stillman book uh, uh, movies and that sort of thing. Yeah, that's cool. The yeah, I, I think yeah, along with that, you know, and, and we we mentioned it uh, on it a little bit earlier with. Um, you know, comics and, and film and, and so much stuff coming out in, you know, in physical uh, media mm-hmm. uh, with, uh, you know, in the last few years or so. But yeah, comics yeah, have, have kind of, you know, seen that resurgence because, you know, so much of us comic book artists and stuff, we're fine being isolated at home, you know, <laughs> during that time, you know, we're, we're already uh, introverts to, to a degree anyway. Mm-hmm. You know? So just, just gives us a little bit more opportunity if you can afford it to, mm-hmm. you know, turn out more art, more stories. And, and, uh, and, and so much of uh, like the comic book industry, like I would, I would hazard as much as like 30% is online doing crowdfunding and that's where they find their audience. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then secondly, it's, it's going to their local shops, their local book and cafe shops, not, not always the comic book shops. Cause mm. that can be kind of tough. Not, not everybody's, 
I mean, they, they all want to be really supportive, but not everybody can afford to have that shelf with the local indie. indie. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's real estate. You know, they need to get that thing that sells. But luckily here in, in Denver, I've got at least four or five that, you know, are really into anything that's that people are doing locally. And but they also have vinyl and, and you know, have a cafe in there, too. So it's, it's yeah. Great. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Exciting. Yeah. So I, I think like Darla's, you know, a good cafe type read, you know, yeah. <laughs> or for that type of, yeah. crowd. you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's pretty cool. It's fun. It's quirky. It's got that offbeatness and it's, it's a, it's, it's a great story. You know, when, when I read it, I had no idea where you were going with it. I'm like, oh, <laughs> what's going on here? But it wraps up really cool. And it's like, oh my God, it's, it's very topical and it, it does tap into the anxieties that I, I felt, you know, during those same times that you described. Yeah. So. Good. Yeah. I, I hope so. I'm, I'm looking forward to, uh, to the events to like once we're over the Kickstarter hump and like, you know, Brie and I can do like a con if, if we're lucky enough to do that or yes. you know, dark delicacies, even just here in Burbank, um, nice. any indie bookstore that wants, I don't know, any kind of small event, Q and a conversation, I think it would just be just the the culture of it, you know, the folks that are would love to go out there and just hear folks talk about the book and feel the thing and have it signed and just like meet meet people um, and to be part of this community in a way. The horror community was so inviting to uh, to me at the onset it was just just so so cool. Yeah, well, you know, there's always a Colorado Festival of Horror. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Hey, absolutely. Yeah. Any, any. Yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. If, if that's of interest, uh, we can definitely, uh, you know, chat about that, but uh, you know, uh, we're, we're starting to wind down on, on time. Is, is there anything that uh, you want to, you know, chat about, uh, you know, the, the Kickstarter, any like um, incentives or any, uh, you know, like stretch goals, uh, you know, to really, um, you know, get uh, the fans excited I don't know, Brie. How do you? How are you feeling about it? We got some original art in there. Is that original art? That's your original art. Are they ones that you're that you're donating? How is that? Do you know how that's working? Mike's got it all figured out. He's like master. I think he has it figured out. They just told me to draw it in six by nine and send them photos. So ah, I have so you I don't do have it. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, so Brie's like literally drawing original, like yeah. fresh original art for you to have forever before she absolutely explodes. Um, with celebs with celebrity, um, and uh, yeah, there's <laughs> they were like, Do you want to do a tier where you uh, you read someone's script and talk to them for an hour about it? And I was like, I mean, I guess so. If people want it, like, cool, we'll try it for a thousand dollars. So there's one lucky and generous nice. person out there, um, <laughs> who's yet to click that thousand dollar button, but uh, yeah, we've got. Wow, we're we're awesome. over the halfway point now. We've got ten days left to go at at, at, at this very moment. So I'm I'm just I'm hoping that uh, that you know the push, the push is um is going to be effective. I'm excited for the AMA tomorrow too. Except like I you know I'm pretty well known for the movie stuff, but way yep. more well known for internet comedy videos with my buddies that drop out and make some noise and game changer. And so tapping into that audience and just kind of like showing them pictures of the ash can and like building up the the kind of love there, I think will be super fun. Man, that's, that sounds awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, real quick too, uh, love to, you know, uh, see what you guys have in store next. Uh, you know, uh, Josh, are you working on another film? 
We just announced a film uh, actually with my producer, Andy Horowitz, called Green Bank, um, starring Jasmine Savoy Brown from the Scream, the new Scream movies, um, who's incredible. And Tatiana Maslany plays She-Hulk. Um, yeah, an orphan black. She's a genius. Been a buddy of mine for a while. We've been looking to work with each other for, for some time, both her and Jasmine and I. So we announced that film and we're just kind of waiting for financing and scheduling and stuff to come through. So that's, that's the next immediate one for sure. But what about you, Brie? Uh, I don't know. I've kind of slowed down for a minute. So now I'm just kind of writing down ideas for things and uh, just kind of painting for fun for a minute. (laughs) Yeah. Must be nice to not have to like transcribe and build a world of 200 pages from this, uh, this Josh Rubin character for a chance. I really like it. It's fun, (laughs) like to build a whole world. And it's nice. Like like I said, I'm not much of a writer, but I'm like, if I want to make stuff, I got to, like you said, just make it. So it's nice Mm -hmm. to have someone to work with who can do the part that I'm not so good at. And then I can just Mm -hmm. do the fun, like drawing the characters and creating what they would look like and dress like. And yeah. Yeah. You're already getting my gears turning about another thing. I was like, gosh, you talked about puppets, man. There you go. I mean, puppets are making a comeback. Not for anything. So. (laughs) Got to do it. That's so cool. Well, I, I can't wait to, you know, for, for the world, to uh, discover Darla and to, you know, really uh, you know, embrace it. Uh, Cause I, I think, uh, I think they will. I think it's a, it's a wonderful read and uh, yeah, oh, I, thank I, you. I can't wait to, for you to, to find, you know, new, uh, a new audience in the comic book and graphic novel world. So yeah, thank you. It means a lot coming from you, Daniel. Thank you for saying that. Yeah, no, it's uh, I, I mean it. It's, it's awesome. And of course, you know, you know, Brie can't can't wait to see what you put out next. Oh, so thank you. <laughs> I'll be following your your Twitter and uh, and then uh, yeah, for everybody who's uh, tuned in, uh, make sure after the broadcast, go to Kickstarter, support this graphic novel. God damn it, do it! <laughs> and yeah, the perks are amazing. I can't wait to see who uh, decides to. To sit down for an hour with John. Who's going to pay me to read their script? Or, hey, there's far che- far cheaper tiers where you just, like, dick around for 15 minutes on a Zoom. Just talk about whatever you want to. So that's, that's cool. That's that's true. Just uh, trade recipes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That'd be pretty fun. Well, cool, guys. Uh, yeah, stick around for a few minutes while we sign off. But, again, thank you for being so generous with your time and, uh, you know, talking about talking with us about uh, about Darla. Thank you so much for having us. Thanks. And uh, to everybody out there, thanks so much for tuning in. Make sure to go to Kickstarter after this. And uh, to our friends at uh, Mutiny Information Cafe, if you're going to start a revolution, make sure it's caffeinated. And, of course, uh, Hellfire Entertainment. Thanks for rebroadcasting us on your social media. And, of course, uh, Groovy TV. And uh, our uh, our, uh, friends at... uh, uh, Alien Donut Films and Angela uh, Joseph Productions, and of course my producers, uh, you know Lily Fisher, Amanda Armstrong, and Stephen Santa Cruz. Thanks so much, guys, and uh, to everybody out there. Hey, uh, be good, be kind, help each other out during tough times, and stay spooky. Have a good weekend, everybody. We'll make sure to check out our Facebook and website for the updates on Colorado Festival of Horror, September fifteenth through the seventeenth.